Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. My IQ, uh, you know, I thought I was a pretty okay, smart player until I came here. So when I came here, he took it to another level, and I'm committed. Like I said, everybody told me what type of coach uh, Coach uh, Quinn was when I came here. So, like I said, I bought in, and I'm just going to continue to try to get better and try to do what I can for my teammates. There's Emmanuel Moutier after the Jazz beat the Knicks, one of his former teams. Moutier talking about trying to get better halfway, almost halfway through the season. Uh, he's constantly improving. A 20-point performance PK. He had rebounds, he had assists, he had a steal. Did a little bit of everything. Quinn, very complimentary of him before and after the game. Man, if he's constantly improving, he's going to be an all-star. Uh, he might plateau at some point. I don't know that he would continue to constantly improve. I just took the words you used. Well... Through the first 37 games, he has been constantly improving. Great. That's outstanding news. Constantly improving. That's all you can ask for. The Jazz and the Knicks really wasn't much of a game. The Jazz were up by 10 after a quarter and had them pretty much blown out by halftime. Bench played well, so they were able to rest the starters. Most of the guys played 25 or 26 minutes. It was really as easy a win as I think we've seen all year. Agreed. He blew him off the floor. 128-104. That is seven in a row. That is 12 out of 13. And then we'll try to improve on that against Charlotte. Some of the guys were talking about that game after the game because they just saw Charlotte a little while ago in Carolina. They were talking about it because you kept asking them about it. Did keep asking (laughs) them about it. And they did keep talking about it. That's why they were talking about it. Got to guard the three-point line. Oh, just got to turn on the lights and open the door. (laughs) Cruise to win number eight in a row? Yes. Locking it down. All right, that game is tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Inbound to Doncic, back over to Luka. Luka has it at the midcourt circle, picks up his dribble. In the corner, head fake on the three. Kick out, it's over and back. It's over and back, and the buzzer rings, and the Nuggets hang on and steal one away from the Dallas Mavericks. Defense, baby. Defense. Nuggets win it 107-106. Late bucket for the Joker, and then that play right there, and the Nuggets beat the Mavs in the big game in the Western Conference. And the Jazz will have some big games at the end of the month, some of those teams, but for now we'll have to watch them play each other. And I did watch them play each other. That was a fun game because the Jazz was done a blowout, basically. Yeah. So I kept flicking on over to that one as much as I could. And that was a very fun game. Both teams didn't have key guys, though. So you know, Who was so missing? I don't think Porzingis played. I don't think Millsap played. There you go. Doncic, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, but the Joker trumps him with 33 and uh, going old school, backing down for that key hoop right there at the end. He cracks me up. That's exactly what I said to my wife. I was flicking over. Is that, uh, man, this dude is the throwback. He's slow. Uh, he looks out of shape, and he's just backing you down, and they allowed it to happen, and without Porzingis being there to maybe guard him or provide some height, he just got his way to the rim in that one particular situation. He had 21 points in the third quarter, too. 
Uh, other contenders in the West, the Rockets were playing. They beat the Hawks, took care of business 122-115. Harden with a triple-double. Harden with 41 points in his triple-double. Another dominant performance out of him. The melodrama of the night, and the NBA is certainly good for that. The soap opera, Jimmy Butler and the Pacers' T.J. Warren exchanging bumps, words. T.J. Warren flipped him off and got kicked out, and Butler called him trash afterward. He's soft. He's not even in my bleeping league. Nowhere near me. If I was their coach, I would never put him on me ever again. He's trash. Like your soap operas, P.K.? That was interesting. I didn't know whether those guys have a history, but apparently they do because this is the first time T.J. Warren's been in the Eastern Conference, so he hasn't played him that much. In uh, his prior years in the league, he was with Phoenix, and a lot of the times he was hurt. All right, TNT doubleheader tonight. Celtics and Sixers in the early game. Philly is faded to fifth in the East. Uh, Celtics sitting in third place, a game behind second place, Miami. So that's the early game at 5. The Rockets and Thunder play at 7.30. And the Thunder, they won 15 of the last 20 games, PK. They had a rough start that first quarter of the season, but they have got it together. So the record, it doesn't look like they're kind of the same caliber of the teams in front of them. But the way they played the last 20 games, I think they are. Now we could go see if they've gotten some breaks as far as missing other team star players or other teams had to play back-to-back and they were rested. Maybe it's been a softer schedule for them. But 20 games is a pretty good sample size, and 15-5 and five is impressive. I think they're about as good as they were last year. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Big game tonight, 9 o'clock ESPN2. It is BYU and St. Mary's. You look at the computer rankings. People like Ken Pomeroy have both these teams solidly in the tournament. Roxy Bernstein telling us he thinks it's a three-bid league. Big game right here, PK. I think it's a two-bid league. It's always been a two-bid league. Three this year? An exception? Or right. you think somebody will play their way out? There's still a lot of games left. I said left. bid, not bid. You said what? Bit. Oh, two-bit league. Yeah. They said two-bit. It's not a good league. We can trump it up all we want. It's not a good league. Are three teams getting in? It's too early to say. Because if they're not, Gonzaga's getting in, and that means a game like tonight is these two uh, battling for that last berth. Unless it's an unusual year, and they are getting three in. Which would be unusual to be on the high side. Late game, 9 o'clock on ESPN2 and Northern Colorado and Weber State in Ogden tonight, 7 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. It's all over at San Diego State. The Rocky Long era comes to a close. Rocky saying it's time. He still likes coaching, but he doesn't like all the things head coaches have to do. Boosters and media and meet with administrators and hire and fire assistant coaches and budgets and on down the line. Well, as long as he didn't say recruiting, I would have tried to see at 70, maybe it's a little bit different because he doesn't have a long-term future. But I would have tried to see if there's anything we could do to help him with those things. You know, If you don't like recruiting, well, I can't help you. 
Because you got to recruit. Right. Well, the rumors that uh, reading the San Diego paper were that he was uh, reaching out to guys he coached with in the past. He might have been interested in a defensive coordinator job at Syracuse because he had a relationship with the coach there. And then apparently decided, no, it would just be better to, uh, to hang it up. I don't know about that, man. If you read his uh, other quotes, he's basically saying he'll listen. And if something's there, he'll take it. Brady Hoke, former San Diego State coach who left for Michigan. Rocky was his defensive coordinator. That's how Rocky got the head coaching job. And Rocky went on a run with them, had a uh, three-way split of a championship, and then they went to the championship game as the league expanded. And he won a couple outright titles there and had a lot of 10-win seasons. Brady Hoke sliding back into his own job now. He had circled around and was on Rocky's staff again as a line coach. So now he's going to be the head coach again. He was only there two years, and they didn't have a great record. They are basically 500, but at the time, that was a major improvement and helped launch him towards the Michigan job. All right, draft news. Here it goes. Uh, Jake Fromm, junior quarterback in Georgia to the NFL. Cole McDonald, junior quarterback at Hawaii, entering the NFL draft. They're both skipping their senior years. You like either one of those guys as a pro, or it's time to just go take your shot and see how it plays out? I think Fromm can be on a roster, yeah. Definitely ought to be a back and forth for him. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph signed his game-worn gloves after the win in New Orleans for a media member that asked for them to donate to a charitable cause, but the gloves ended up on eBay. The fans who bought the glove, the fan who bought the gloves, saw Rudolph's posts on Twitter about being duped, said he'd donate the gloves and money to a charity of Rudolph's choice. Well, I don't know if people notice or know this, but there's a strict no... No autograph policy. Yeah, and we if you violate that, you should be terminated. You can lose a press pass in a heartbeat. This goes beyond that, though. Having a newspaper fire you or a TV station. Or no, well, station I mean, it's one to get an autograph and give it to your kid. Yes. But it's another thing yeah. to say it's for charity and sell it on eBay and pocket the cash. Right. That's completely now, unacceptable. Now, they also say media member in quotes. It's possible that it was somebody impersonating a media member. I don't think they know who it is yet. But oh. Somebody could end up being in trouble. It could have been a media member. Or I, I, stupid me for taking words at words values. I should have said quote unquote media member when I read that. Oh. Carolina Panthers, Dallas Cowboys had their uh, first uh, media interaction there with Matt Rule, the Panthers, Mike McCarthy was the Cowboys. As they get ready to work whatever magic it is, they're going to work with those teams. All right, DJ and PK. That is what is trending. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack's going to be here at 830. The Joe Ingles Show, 850. Joe's going to join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Utah Jazz shoot-around show. Here's Emmanuel Moutier. With the way this offense operates, what have you consumed the most that you feel like you've been able to put out there on the floor? Just knowing when to attack and when, you know, to get others involved. I think I'm just trying to keep figuring that out. And, you know, I'm in there with the starting group for a little bit and the bench unit for a little bit. So kind of figuring out how to pick my own spots and then try to get everybody else involved too. Does that come with a process where you're trying not to think so much and just let it be a reaction? And how is that process coming along? Yeah, I'm not thinking too much. Much and 
obviously if we get stops at run, that's the best basketball, so we don't have to think that much. The ball is moving, and I think everybody, you know, is feeling involved too. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Comes off the 45 to the corner to Moutier for a corner three. It's good to Emmanuel Moutier having quite a night against his former team tonight. New season high for him. Knicks miss again at the rim. Rudy Gobert rebounds. Jazz by 27 with 8.45 left. They've let go of the rope. Here comes Donovan to the rim. And he'll smite smite a smash at the rim. Join Scotty and Hans Tuesday, noon to 3 at Soundsleep Medical, 8941 South, 700 East in Sandy. It's not every day we bring you sports news from Venezuela. That was ugly, PK. The Venezuelan Baseball League, yeah. Batter swinging a bat at the catcher more than once. I saw at least two, but I came in in the middle and left before it was over there. Turned around to read the sound sleep thing. That was nasty. It was. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz crush the New York Knicks, make it seven straight wins and 12 out of 13, and there is very little to break down on that game because the Jazz overwhelmed them. Many players played well, and it wasn't much of a contest. Before the game, and it's the Knicks, and it's Emmanuel Moutier's uh, former team. So there were a lot of questions from the New York media about Moutier and how he was playing. Kind of an example of, you know, a team that needs a lot of talent apparently let a talented player get away, and how did that possibly happen, and why has Moutier gotten so much better? And uh, so there was a lot of talk about that, and then uh, the conversation kind of went on to... uh, with Quinn, and he talks for about 10 minutes or so before the game. And the conversation went on to uh, some of the other young players who are improving and contributing. And he started, uh, Quinn started talking about Royce O'Neal and how he was getting big defensive rebounds at the end of games. And when it was done, Quinn turns and he goes back in, and then we go out, the, he's got a back door like back into their locker room facilities and stuff. And the rest of us walk out in the hallway and then go down the hallway and usually go hear whatever the visiting coach has to say. And uh, one of the meeting members is like, is he starting to praise Royce O'Neal a lot for little things? Is he like setting the stage for when Mike Conley comes back and Royce stays in the closing lineup? If Maybe not the starting lineup, but the closing lineup? Like... I don't know. I don't know if it's a random uh, compliment uh, because, you know, he's detailed and he's seen stuff or if he's setting the stage or or maybe it's more sending the message, hey, this is guys playing at a high level, so you're going to have to come in and play at a high level too. You got a gut instinct on that because it seems like we get it, and you love the psychological side of this, like guys who really grind, guys who can, you know, have the confidence to build themselves up. And, and Royce O'Neal didn't have much of a role and just over the last couple of years has carved out a little bigger role and a little bigger role. And now he's got, he's got an important role here on the team. And I'm curious how this is going to play when Conley comes back. And there's always a chance somebody's going to get injuries and the decisions are going to get injured and the decision will be made before. It'll be made for the coaching staff, and they won't have anything to decide. But there is, you know, how much does Conley play? Whose minutes does he get? Does he start? Does he finish? And maybe that's just uh, people, you know, reading into Quinn too much. Or Quinn's pretty detail-oriented. Maybe he's detail-oriented with the media and his message there, too, that gets back to the players. As long as they keep winning... I think that one of the things that, or if not the most important or most intriguing thing, I should say, is probably a better way, is what's going to happen with Conley and the rotation. 
you know, if they lose or, as you say, someone gets injured and so you trade body A for body B, well, then that's obvious. Uh, you know, obviously we hope that doesn't happen. But, well, but we've also watched sports for a long time, and we know sometimes it does. Yeah, so that, and that's why you need as many good players as possible. I don't know if he's trying to work an angle by saying what he was saying. I'd have to hear more of that. But there's no question O'Neal has deserved and earned playing time, and that's the great thing about it is that whatever minutes he's getting, it's coming through his ability to work to earn them you know you're in a situation where you're not doling out minutes as well gosh man he doesn't suck as bad as this guy so we'll play him and that's a good spot to be in guys are earning what they're getting you know we've seen obviously the ascension of tony bradley over ed davis uh, and that's that's good for Tony Bradley too, you know, because that that's something that they developed. He was a kid when they drafted him. He's still a young kid, but he was—I mean, he was a lad basically when they drafted him, and has spent a number of years off to the side. Turned twenty-two down, yesterday. Down, yeah, and yesterday was his birthday. They were making a big deal about that, or not a big deal, but they're making a deal of it, and working in you know, with the stars or you know extra practice, whatever it might be. And now here he is. What three years later? Uh, making some contributions and that's cool to see so everyone's earning what they're getting and as long as they keep winning then that's going to be an intriguing thing that uh, coach Schneider and his staff has to figure out is what are they going to do whose minutes are going to be cut somebody's minutes are going to be reduced and you've got emerging players too it's not like they are slumping and Moutier clearly is, and it was the Knicks, and he can. Now we were standing there yesterday at the pregame thing, the shoot around, and he says, "Yeah, it's another game." Blah blah blah. I mean, are you sure. And you go out and you score your season high. <laughs> just happened. Yeah, and, and they are bad, and they were going back to back, so that makes it easier to have a big game. But it's still your old team, and you're, you yeah. don't want to look bad in front of them. You want to look good, right? So we've seen that a million times over, and then they say that a million times over. You're supposed to say that, and, but Moutier has gotten better. Niang has gotten better. Clarkson, he's been pretty consistent from the second they got him, which is a little bit of an amazing story. And so, obviously, his minutes are not going to be reduced. And uh, who else? Am I missing somebody along the guard line or the wing players anyway? I mean, Bradley's another story. Bradley's minutes are not going to impact. Conley's return is not going to impact Tony Bradley either way because they're not close to playing the same positions and responsibilities on the floor. Uh, but those types, I don't think this Tucker kid is going to have much of an impact the one guy I was gonna on Conley's return and, and somebody else's. He's got to get what he can get and, and just try to do what Bradley and Yang have done and go and work off to the side and yeah, ride Roy, your time. Royce O'Neal and yeah, Joe you're, Ingles. You're in the league. That's a good thing. That's a good position to be in and see what yeah. you can do in the coming weeks and months and years. So I don't think he's going to have much of an impact. But yeah, I find that completely and totally intriguing because you've got a great thing going on now. And a lot of it is built on <clears throat> bad teams or average teams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the Pelicans are a bad team. Especially but I would say the, way the Knicks are the are bad team. The Knicks are a bad team, but the yeah. Pelicans, the way they played yeah. in the in the eight games leading up to right. it, especially because they've gotten some guys back and they still are waiting to get key players back. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Is that not, you know I, I like what they're doing there, and and uh, they've got if they keep it together, but they've got they've, that's a talented ball club. So that's that's a pretty good win 
Uh, you you got it without them having Drew Holiday, and Zion hasn't been back all season. But Drew Holiday was a blow losing him. So that's good news for the Jazz. And you're playing good ball, and you don't want to screw it up. And so it's – I don't think it's fragile, though. I don't think Conley's return makes it fragile. No, I wouldn't think so. I think that um, when he comes back, he'll probably be on some kind of minutes restriction. So a little bit of the coaches will be able to see how he plays, how he fits in, how comfortable he is, and what level he's playing at. So even when he comes back, those first two or three games, I assume you know he'll be allowed to play 10 or 12 or 15 minutes or whatever it is. So I, I think he goes right into the starting lineup when he comes back. Heard it a million times from medical people and coaches. You've got a hamstring or a calf issue or a quad issue or something, you know, the soft muscles. Well, we want him to warm up, and then while he's warm, go right in and play that. If he's going to play 12 minutes, he'll play six minutes at the start of the first and six at the start of the third. If they let him play 20, you know, they'll go from there. I don't think they have to put him back in the closing lineup. I don't think he'll be playing enough minutes those first few games back. And then see how they fit. I mean, the, the goal is always is win the games. The thing is, and I did get some guy tweeting at me last night, Moutier, you know, greater than Conley. Okay, well, easy here. Remember, everything here is building up to the playoffs, and Conley's got a lot of playoff experience. Now, there's a lot of young guys who may be promising and may be really good one day, but they're probably not going to be good the first time they're in the playoffs, especially when they find themselves, you know, going up against a team that's led by a two- or three-time champion who's won with two or three different clubs. It's pretty high-level guys. By the time you get to the playoffs, you're going to want Mike Conley's playoff experience. But how you get there, or maybe somebody else does outperform him between now and then. Uh, sure, you on paper you like his experience, but how's he going to play? Yeah. And I'm not concerned about the first three or four games because it's a long term. Yep. And if he's going to be on a minutes restriction, well, then that takes care of itself. It's when all things are equal. I'd rather have that problem than not have it, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Too many players as opposed to not enough or just enough and then one injury is a key piece of the puzzle and you can't win anymore until you get that key piece of the puzzle back. No, you'd much rather have too much depth. What would be cool is A, that I don't die between now and then. <laughs> you are having a coffin fit here. And jumping in when you lose it. B, that the closing group doesn't matter because the games are decided. Yeah. And so it's not... That, that does sound good, but that's just a little optimistic in the NBA because there's a lot of close games. Quote-unquote bad teams with lousy records can still play you to a game that you know is a game with five minutes to go. Yeah, I understand, and that's probably not going to happen. There's probably going to be a number of at least uh, partially close, so to speak, uh, I, to where you know it's important that you play well down the stretch. I think they have gotten away with playing a handful of guys really big minutes, and one thing that will happen when Conley comes back is they ought to be able to get away from that. You know, you can play Joe 32 minutes instead of playing him 37. Maybe you play Donovan 35 instead of playing him 39. You know, that – Conley can take those eight minutes right away without knocking anybody out of the rotation. I think that needs to happen. You can do the whole 35, 37, 39 minute a night thing in the short run, but in the long run, that's too much to ask. Guys are going to get worn down. Guys are more likely to get injured. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a better deal if you can spread the minutes out a little more than they've been doing, and Conley's going to allow them to do that. 
But Jerry's used to say, I don't determine minutes. The players determine minutes. And I think that's exactly what will happen in this case. If Conley makes shots and plays the way he's capable of playing, then he'll play. And he'll play as many minutes as he can handle. And certainly enough. In my mind, if you play 25 or more minutes, that's enough minutes to have a significant impact on the game. So if you're playing at least or slightly more or more than that, half the game, then you're playing enough to make an impact. And you can't say, like uh, Coach Schneider was talking about last year or last night about Moutier, how you know sometimes playing in two or three-minute stretches, it's hard to do and all that stuff. And I get that. If you're, if you're playing in the teens, it's hard to have a major impact on the game. But if you're playing above 24, in my mind, you have the opportunity to make an impact. So I think what will happen is Conley will determine how many minutes he gets, not anybody else. So if he's doing what he has shown capable of doing many times over, then he'll be in there. And, and if he's not, sorry, guy. We're about winning games here. And in, in the final analysis, no, there's no sense of entitlement. Steve Cleveland used to talk about that all the time. Sense of entitlement, you know, because when he took over the program at BYU, it was garbage. And it used to drive him nuts that he had to play guys. And they knew it because there was nobody else. And so they could loaf and practice, do whatever they want. Right. And he had to play them. If you take a bad shot. No, yeah. Right. You take a bad shot in a game, he can't take you out. Because they had nobody else. Right. You get sloppy with the ball, you don't rotate yeah. on defense, it doesn't right. matter. Right. The talent drop-off was so massive, right. you didn't dare go to the next guy. In his early years. Now, he built up an NCAA tournament team, and that became a different deal. And we saw that later on. Uh, I could cite examples when he made changes to the lineup because – the starter wasn't doing what he wanted him to do, so he went to the next guy. Next guy did what he wanted him to do. That guy got more minutes, and they won more ball games. And I think that's what Coach Snyder has in his situation here now. He's got guys that can win and win at a high level. So it's going to be up to Mike Conley to produce. And if Mike Conley produces, he'll play. He was out shooting around. Uh, they never they never like to put any expectation out there for when he's going to be back. You know, is it going to be a week or is it going to be two? They like to keep those cards close to the vest. He was out there shooting around, uh, joking with guys at the shoot-around. It didn't look like he's too far away, but who the heck knows? Oh, yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him out there. Right. And so, I mean, this way he was moving around, the way he was interacting, I'm thinking it ought to be sooner, not later. Well, he could play a game of horse right now. Yes. And be fine. Yes. But that's not But NBA the stopping, stopping and starting an NBA game is a different deal. And even practice is a different deal. So, you know, it's going to be interesting because you've looked at the schedule. I'm just taking them as they come. You talk about how the schedule, January whatever, against Denver is the start of a— January 20, the Pacers. Uh, okay, Pacers. Right. But Denver is after that, and Houston's after that. There's some good games. I always thought that you see that sometimes in football, like particularly with BYU— two seasons ago. You know, they let Mangum go, and then they make a change. Well, they make a change right when the schedule got way softer. <laughs> yeah, right. That wasn't an accident, was it? <laughs> yeah. So, Mangum kind of got screwed over in that Tanner situation. Tanner played the really tough games because they didn't want to throw freshmen into the deep end of the pool. And the right. schedule got much lighter, and then they needed to play the freshmen, get them experience, so that 
the next year, he didn't start with a tough schedule in the deep end of the pool and no playing experience. And my thought was, well, Tanner could have, the games that Zach Wilson won, Tanner could have won too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But he gets hosed in that way because they, they wanted the change. they wanted a quarterback who had a half dozen games of experience when they got ready to play the Utes and go to Tennessee and host USC. So when Conley comes back, the schedule apparently, if he comes back here before the twentieth, which is what that's only uh, eleven days away. Isn't yeah, it? we're getting close. Yeah. Uh, so he comes back and the schedule gets tougher, and they lose a couple of games. After now, they're just winning it like they were two years ago after the All-Star break. They just seem like they're winning every game, and they're going on these incredible runs, and they're making it not look so easy, but nevertheless, they're winning. So the competition gets tougher. Conley's returning, and people are going to say, oh, wow, you know, Conley screwed it up for everybody when it really didn't matter because they were playing tougher competition, so they were probably going to lose some as opposed to now when the competition is weaker and if Conley would have been healthy he would have been part of the winning see what I'm getting at yeah if he were healthy this last month I think they would have won a bunch of games just like they've won a bunch of games right I just wonder how the fans are going to react to him because well the fans are going to react to winning and losing they're going to react to winning really well I know but that's not necessarily based on Mike Conley that's my point the schedule the competition level way tougher and the savvier fans will get that and the fans who aren't as savvy or a little more crazed they won't get that right but if he goes two for eight and they lose whereas he could have gone two for eight last night and they still would have won yes they would have so what kind of reactions like Mike come on man we traded we traded we had to get rid of some guys and and you know Derek Favors there's Jesus John Stockton Derek Favors in terms of the quality of human beings apparently you know he was so beloved because he never raised he never made a stink here yep that's really. I mean, it's not like he was just some incredible player, but he never caused any trouble, so therefore we loved him. And so you made us get rid of him, and we're paying you 30-plus million. Come on. I just wonder if there will be any heat directed his way. Yes. Frustration directed his way. Yes, I think the only question is how much. Twitter well, is they have to it. lose, though. <clears throat> You're right. You're right. And if they line up Indiana and Dallas and Houston and Denver and they take three out of four or something like that, yeah. then, then it doesn't matter nope. as much. No, it doesn't. If you keep winning, it won't matter. And I'm, I'm very much intrigued to see how that's going to play out. That's the next storyline, provided they don't have any injuries. The next storyline to watch with this team as they continue to rack up wins. And you already spoke about next week. Well, we know we got they got New Orleans at the end of the trip because they spoke about that. Yeah. And I know that it's a Sunday afternoon, like 1 o'clock our time against Washington, right? Yes. And then Brooklyn. I mean, those are oh, those are okay teams. Probably, I would think they would lose something along the line there. Just Wouldn't by, expect another 3-0 road trip. Just sheer law of averages. Well, they just played, before this Nick game, they played 7 out of 9 on the road, and they won 6 of the 7. That's a pretty pretty hot pace for the road in the NBA, no matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely. if you play three more, that's ten road games. You know, if you got eight and two over ten road games, you can't really be complaining about that. So you're right, another loss. I was actually, while we were killing time waiting for the, uh, the coaches to come out, you always have to get there because when they walk out, they just start talking. So you have to make sure you're there early. Um, and there, were, uh, there was 
speculation about you know how far does this hot streak go? Just you know various reporters with various uh, guesses, and one of them was. You know, beating New Orleans, who's playing pretty well now, beating them twice on their floor a couple weeks apart, that seems unlikely. That of the four games out there, that would probably be the toughest one. And Moody had kind of referenced it in in passing because at the shoot-around yesterday, he was asked about the whole two-time thing, and apparently it started because Rudy blocked his shot in practice and was talking to him and he said, well, you're the two-time defensive player of the year. You're supposed to be able to block my shot. And so everyone and that caught the team. They thought that was funny. And so everybody's been saying two-time, two-time. So they held up the two fingers and somebody in the media said, yeah, but did the Pelicans think you were going to peace out? And he said, yeah, we might have to pay for that because they could have been thinking that, but they don't know the inside joke on the team. Oh, yeah. I don't you don't feel showed up walking off the floor? And you're the Pelicans. You should be scrapping and fighting, trying to get any any possible win you can get. Well, they may just simply feel like they got screwed on the last second call and should have won the game. Yeah, I don't. It could be that simple. Sticking up two fingers. What's peace out? Yeah, but you never know, right? It was like we were saying in the last segment. Who knew that Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren had some beef? (laughs) What is that all about? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I can't go there. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Of all the things, they walked out with peace out is not, that's pretty benign. Who doesn't like peace? <laughs> oh, we are saying. And I would think that everybody would be on board on that. I think that the fact that they got, uh, feel like they got uh, screwed to an extent because the NBA came out and said that that was a foul. I think that's the motivation. Let's get these guys back. I don't. I don't think that the raising of the two fingers. Uh, I don't even know if they noticed it. I'd have to ask them individually. They might have been looking towards themselves and looking at the referees, and here are the other guys going at the other end. It wasn't like it was their basket that the Jazz were walking off the floor on. The locker room was the opposite direction. I would agree that New Orleans should have some motivation, particularly if Zion comes back, because that's going to be a story the NBA likes to build around these kids. And you saw New Orleans with a bunch of games on television with the intent, almost to the point of exclusively, of highlighting this young man. Oh, that had to be the reason. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of early season games with the Pelicans. Let's see what Zion can do. And later on, you get into the you know playoff race, and they probably don't have as many appearances. But boy, early in the year, there were multiple Pelican games out yeah. there, including Christmas Day. Exactly. Yes. So I, from from a fan standpoint myself, I would like to see him play that game because that's a game that I know that I'll be locked down watching from start to finish, and I want I, I'm interested to see how he does because I'm a fan of the game as opposed to individual teams, and so I want to see him play and just to see what he can do. So if he's back, yeah, I think that game that game has a a high degree of dif- difficulty uh, judging it here uh, a couple of weeks out because of what happened on Monday and if Zion returns and just the the Pelicans themselves they got a lot of nice young pieces that look like they can develop something and uh, so they're not playing for anything necessarily this year but yet they are it's like the Jazz the year before they made the playoffs and the back half of the stretch, remember they did well? Yeah, they'd had a terrible start. Yeah. And then they really picked it up as the yeah. season went on. The first third was awful. The middle third was decent. And the last third was really good. 
So I thought they were playing for something, even though they weren't playing, playing for, for postseason that yeah. year. You were playing something to build, and sure enough, they got in and won a playoff series and all that stuff. I see similarities between what the Pelicans have and what the Jazz had back then when yeah. Hayward was trying to get better and all that stuff. Those first couple of years with Quinn. The first year figuring everything yeah. out. And the second year, I think they had some injuries and that sunk them. But still, like you said, got to play well in the back half when you get healthy. And that's what I see in New Orleans. So I see that as a tough game for sure. All right. Well, for the Jazz right now, it's winning. More winning. And then a little more winning after that. Seven in a row and 12 out of 13. So as we uh, get, and I know I break the season down. We're 10% of the way through the season. We're a quarter. We're a third. Yeah, you're doing and, the half stuff, and there's still four games to yeah, go. Yeah, where are we at? So it's this road trip. Yeah, it's the midway point. Yeah, but, but let's wait till we get to the midway point before we talking talk about we're at the midway point. No. We're getting close. Yeah, you can't yeah, speculate the, where they're going to be at the midway PK, point. We're ninety percent of the way to the midway point. So well, let's just why not wait until? Because I got now. If I you can want, talk about it okay, then. if you want a topic here, rather than do this, because you do that every year, that's not fresh. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? Dear, where are we going now? Are the Jazz the Utes? Oh, an excellent question. Because it's like you were in the media room before the game. That was another. You're hitting the topics. You're hitting the top. That's another one that got discussed. Kyle like, said often, on multiple occasions after games, uh-huh. don't take this winning for granted. Never take winning for granted. Totally because agree they with were that. winning and they were winning easily. Right. And it seemed like oh yeah another game another win and that's exactly what we have with the Jazz here tonight, right now today. I mean is they're winning, and they're winning easily, and we're sort of taking it for granted. And we know what happened to the point, the, the young security kid downstairs. Yep. I don't know how sometimes they have them, and sometimes they don't. When we walk in, yeah. right. Sometimes. But he was there this morning, and he says to me, oh, man, good recruiting class, huh? <laughs> I'm him, what the heck are you talking about? He's talking about Arizona State. Well, I didn't realize. You know, yeah, I, I put on the Sun Devil uh, hoodie right. this morning, and yeah. I didn't even remember that I put right. it on. No, he was I, into I, it because he brought in, it up with me. <laughs> I get dressed in the dark. <laughs> and then he said, my Utes, man, they sure fall, fell and folded or failed at the end. So are the Utes the Jazz? Are the Jazz the Utes? They're winning right now, but it really does it mean anything or does mean it something? What does it mean? Uh, I believe there are multiple answers to that, and we will get to that next. I think it's a little different here than it was with the Utes, but there are certainly some similarities that can't be debated. But I think there's a couple differences. We'll get to that next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join The Zone in ARUP Friday, January 10th. From 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at ARUP Blood Services on 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. That's tomorrow. ARUP, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. 5th West, 9786 South. All right, the question, PK. Are the jazz the Utes? The Utes, of course, famously beat up on the bottom half of the league. 
And it turned out there really wasn't much difference between the middle and the bottom half of the league. And then when they faced the elite teams, they got beat. I think the first thing here is the difference is expectations. I think from the second the Pac-12 preseason poll came out and the youths were picked to win the South, and Oregon, Washington, and Utah split the votes to win the conference pretty evenly with the youths just having a slight edge. I think it was one vote over Oregon and a couple more than that over uh, Washington. The expectations were that was legit and they could do it. And they lost to USC, who was picked second in the South, and they beat Washington, who was picked second in the North, and then they got crushed by Oregon. And then doubled down and got beat pretty badly by Texas. I think for the Jazz, they haven't been picked to win the title. I don't think most people are coming in with the expectation that they should take down the Lakers and Clippers. When it gets to an NBA playoff series, the team with the best player and the most playoff experience, I think people are looking at Kawhi and they're looking at LeBron and thinking those are the two best teams, in large part because they've got this guy at the top end of the roster who's, you know, in the case of Kawhi in his prime, LeBron by normal NBA standards, would be past his prime. But he seems to be having a run of prime playing basketball that is uh, unprecedented, borderline unprecedented. So I don't think the Jazz are facing the same expectations the Utes are. Now, it still could be Utish if they get crushed by Denver and Dallas and Houston, because Dallas wasn't supposed to be anywhere near them, but it, the Dallas is earning a ton of respect. I think the Jazz are seen as being in the same ballpark as the Nuggets. Maybe a little bit behind the Rockets, but not that far. So if they get crushed by those teams, then I think you'll look at the Utes and say, yeah, you got our hopes up by beating the bad teams, but you weren't nearly good enough. If they get through some of those teams in the playoffs, depending on the bracket falls, one or two of them, and then lose the Lakers or Clippers, I don't think we'll have that comparison with the Utes. I think that the Jazz and the Utes is an excellent comparison because there's no such thing as a preseason media poll as there is in football. They don't have a media day for the Western Conference where they bring a coach and two players and they release a poll at 8.30 in the morning. You're right, but there's still plenty of people who have their power rankings, and there's still expectations. And, and we the know Jazz's what they are. expectations are right there with the rest of them. Well, I guess you take that. However, I think their expectations, my expectations for them, are clearly a couple of the Lakers and the Clippers. Right, <clears throat> that's yours. But I but can I go right over here, and there's, and I think there's, but there's a lot of people. So I have no idea. Is it thirty percent? Is it twenty percent? Whereas the other thing, it's <clears> measured. A specific right, specific media poll that we saw. And so you have that out there. So, but I think there's plenty of folks that have the Jazz in, in October and September. They, they got such positive run for what they did over the summer that they were expected to be a major contender. That's why when they struggled a little bit, that's why it was a surprise. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't have them struggle and have it be a surprise without the expectation. Because if they're struggling... And it's a surprise. Well, that meant that there was expectation. Because if they're struggling and there wasn't any expectation, then it wouldn't be a surprise. But yet it was a surprise. That's why they made the move. The, by their own acknowledgement, they believe that they should be a contender. That's why they made the move. Because if they didn't make the move, <clears throat> then there wouldn't be that expectation. There's been no other team who's had middling expectations who's made any moves so far this year. The Jazz have made a move. Am I missing somebody? Has somebody made a move? That I'm aware of, that I'm not aware of? Portland picked up Carmelo. That's the only thing that comes to mind. Right, because they had expectations of being a playoff team, and they found themselves seven games under 500. We got to do something. 
So the by the Jazz trading their number five pick, Dennis Lindsay's highest draft pick, if I remember correctly, and going after a bench player in Cleveland, that screams we're underachieving. We got to do something. And cutting Jeff Green, who we just brought aboard, that screams this isn't working. We got to do something. All these teams that are in the middle or like San Antonio or whatnot, they've got expectations, but yet they haven't made a move. So clearly the Jazz expectation by their own acknowledgement was much higher. Whether you had it there or not doesn't matter. They had it there. They believe that they should be contending. So they're supposed to be in the mix. The Ute thing and the Jazz thing are almost identical. 855-340-ZONE. You can tweet at us, David DJ James. I almost blurted out the text line. You would have made fun of me. Fortunately, I caught myself at the last second. Facebook, time travel. Facebook. That's a throwback. DJ and P. Vindication for me. Never learned it. It is vindication. You guys just railed on me for never learning it, and it would have been nothing but a clutter. I never give out the text line, I was never about to do it. In the long run, I was right again. All right. Your expectations, are they going to be met? How high are they? And are they going to be met? Are the comparisons really good between the Jazz and the Utes or only partially so? We will get to that next. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, on the phone, 855-340-ZONE, and the open mic on the app. Send Yaki your audio. He'll play it. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.